1965, a cartoonist animated what is now a very famous Christmas special that plays every year, and most of you have probably seen it countless times. This year, I hope you watch it again, maybe with a little different perspective. Welcome to Church Public. Let's get started. Welcome to Church Public. Merry Christmas. I hope you are doing well. This has been a season of all seasons. Who knows what will happen next, but we want to celebrate Christmas as well, and we want to talk about the meaning of Christmas and what we're going into. We'll be doing a few of those as we get closer to the day, and as we're on our way, what I wanted to talk about was this famous Christmas special, a Charlie Brown Christmas. Charles Schultz in 1965 was asked to make this animated Christmas special featuring the Peanuts crew, and he decided to focus the special on the real story of Christmas as we read about in Luke 2 from the Bible. And of course, the executives of the time were, were said, you know, why, why would you want to do this? Why, why would you put the Bible into the story? And he replied, quote, if we don't do it, who will? As a backdrop to Schultz, bringing this simple story of the birth of Christ to animated life, I want to look at what was happening in America during that season. This, I believe, was a real pivot of the value system that shaped and formed Western civilization, especially the nation of America. And we've talked a fair bit about this, but I just want to include this in the story of, of the, the Charlie Brown Christmas and the story of this year and look at what that means for us today. So, um, as we've discussed before, from the founding of America, morality and biblical values were at the core of what made this nation, quote, work. Without biblical morality, the founders were convinced the nation would, in fact, fall apart or worse, slide precariously back into the very tyranny they had so painfully uh, escaped through a terrible war. Many of the founders talked about this, Hamilton and Jefferson and um Adams. And I talked about that on a previous episode, so you can go back and listen to those. But what I want to talk about today is some of the things that were happening in America in the 50s and 60s and why that changed the way we look at the Bible. It changed the way we look at morality. It changed the way we look at even Christmas. And so in New York in 1951, the State Board of Regents, the New York State Board of Regents approved a non-denominational prayer to be voluntarily recited at the beginning of each school day. Here is the prayer. Quote, Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee, and we beg thy blessings upon us, on our parents, our teachers, and our country. End quote. And for almost 10 years, this is a part of the school life there, and uh, as far as we know, no one really objected. But then, uh, around 10 years later, some parents decided this prayer violated the First Amendment. Uh, and, and in previous episodes, we've talked about the First Amendment, the, uh, the um, Establishment Clause, and, and we've talked about how the First Amendment says that uh, you, the government is prohibited from establishing a state religion. So parents were saying this was a state religion. Remember, this prayer was voluntary. The claim was rejected by the Supreme Court of New York, and then there were two appeals courts that went, and it was also rejected by those two appeals courts. Then it went to the Supreme Court of the United States in 1962 in a case called Engel versus Vitale. They found that the prayer did violate the Establishment Clause. 
uh, it stands to note that even though this was a majority decision, they did not cite another case um, that this pointed to. They did not cite another Supreme Court case that was reflected upon for this decision. Um, and it, in fact, reversed around 200 years of public school practice, beginning with prayer. Again, and, and we've talked about on other episodes, but prayer in public school was a staple for most of the history of America. Uh, not all schools. I'm not saying that it was that, but it was in many schools for the entire history of America, and, and they began with prayer. And so this really changed that, and, and not only did it change it, but it it made the prayer not legal. And that's a difference from wanting to do a prayer, choosing to, to do a prayer, again, voluntarily doing a prayer. It is now not allowed at all to pray before classes. And there was a dissent, uh, you may or may not know, in, in many court cases, especially in the Supreme Court, uh, you'll have the statement, the judgment, and then you'll have a dissent, which is if there were judges that did not agree, they will write this, what's called a dissent, that says why they did not agree. So the dissent written argued that the Establishment Clause was not designed to prohibit government involvement with religion, but it was to avoid the establishment of a state-sponsored church. In other words, the point of the First Amendment Establishment Clause was so that the state could not say, hey, you must do this religion and you can do no other religions. It seems to me, as it seemed to this judge, that this instance, and, and in fact praying in school, and voluntarily praying in school, does not violate or create a, a religion or a church. It is a prayer in a school that is, again, voluntary. Um, but this court believed that was apparently the establishment of a religion in the school or something to that nature. So this descent also continued on, and it showed numerous instances of religion in the public square already, like in God we trust, on money. That's still there, at least for now. And even in the Supreme Court um, at the time, and I don't know if it's still now, uh, but in the Supreme Court at the time, they would say, God save this honorable court before the Supreme Court sessions, before those very sessions, before that very session that decided this outcome. They said, God save this honorable court, which is Again, a deferment to God. You don't have to agree. You don't have to believe it. But those that did um, dedicated that particular session and many before and many thereafter to God. And I would add, I don't think they referenced this one, but under God is in the pledge. And so there, there are many places that God is referenced in the public square that but apparently that doesn't actually signify anything. And, and again, so far, the people I've tried, it, it still says on the money, in God we trust, and that's not establishing a religion. It is a statement, in fact, of, again, this worldview that without God, we don't have anything. And it even, and for the founders especially, whether or not we realize this or recognize it or talk about it, harkens back to Jesus saying, Give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God's. That's the reason it's on the money is because we recognized at the beginning of this country and for a long time after that even the money we have is not our money and it's not the government's money. It is God's money because everything is God's. And then um, 
the government takes care of what it needs to take care of as the secondary authority under God. And you can go and listen to the podcast on authority last week if you want more information on that. So, of course, as has happened many times throughout our country, this court case created a waterfall and a series of other court cases that shut down any practice or even acknowledgement of our biblical foundation. And that's kind of where we find ourselves now. Prayer was not allowed in this instance. Very soon after, Bible reading was not allowed. Reciting the Lord's Prayer from the Bible was not allowed, and on and on and on. Um, and it even proceeded out of the school from there. And, you know, for a long time in every courthouse, there was the Ten Commandments uh, etched somewhere or, a, or a, a, a stone carving of it somewhere because we knew as a society that these Ten Commandments, this foundation of morality was really important, especially when we are judging people on their actions. We need to know what is the foundation of this judging. Are we just making up rules that they have to follow? Or is there something bigger beyond our individuality, even beyond our corporate identity or our humanity? Is there something more than that, like the Ten Commandments, like God's um, laws that we need to follow so that the society flourishes and thrives? And again, for years and years, decades, centuries, we knew that the Bible, that God was the foundation of this, and so the Ten Commandments were placed in all of these courts. And as far as I know, in most courts across America now, that has also been removed. This, quote, separation of church and state is not what the founders intended. In fact, it is not in the Constitution. It's not. Go and check. I'll wait. Yeah, no, the, the, there is no mention of the separation of church and state in, in the Constitution. It's actually in a letter, I believe, that Benjamin Franklin, I don't have that right in front of me, but that Benjamin Franklin wrote, um, and he was saying the exact opposite of the way that we take it most of the time. It's not that we, as the church, cannot do things in the public square. It's that, as I mentioned earlier, that the state cannot force you to follow a religion. That is the very thing that they ran from in the tyranny of England, and they did not want to happen. Again, the king of England said, you must follow me, and at one point he even declared himself a god, and you had to worship him. Uh, again, I refer to that in the authority message if you want to go listen to that one. But but uh, it, it's this idea that we should be free to practice whatever religion we want, and also, this knowledge that morality needs to come from somewhere, and if we stop teaching our children this morality, we end up, sadly, very close to where we are today, where we have no basis in morality in this society, and you see it unraveling when people are trying to create out of something or out of nothing this morality to lean upon, and it crumbles when they lean upon it. And uh, I've talked about a lot of examples of that. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about more right now just for time. But you can go back and, and listen to some of those other episodes to hear how the morality has failed. And I believe you probably see it. So this declaration, the Constitution, in fact, they were intended to prevent the state from stopping people from exercising their religion. Not to prevent um, the people, the church, from doing things. It was to prevent the state from stopping people. That, that's a really crucial distinction that for some reason... Uh, as a as a as a society we've lost as a as a church we've lost I, i've had many conversations over the past year that people say no politics should not be in the church we shouldn't talk about politics we shouldn't talk about things of the world we should only talk about church things but that's just ludicrous 
because life is politics. Politics from Aristotle is just the po politica, like the, it's the way we live. It's what we do in our life. We have a public square because we go out into the public. I mean, unless and until, and we're very close at this point, the lockdowns keep us in our house indefinitely, we still go outside. We still see other humans, and that is political because it is interacting with other people. That's just the very definition of it. Politics is public. So this separation that we've imposed upon ourselves it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in government. There are, there are not laws to that. There may be some IRS things and there may be some other, other deals, but, but it, it's not against the law to talk about politics. And in fact, we, we should talk about it more. If you go back and listen, there are, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of, of messages from pastors around the time of the birth of America. And if you go back and read them, you will note that many of them are related to the king, they're related to what we're supposed to do, they're related to the colonies, they're related to uh, how do we live this life, what are we supposed to do, how do we push back against the tyranny, how do we live in this life, how do we create something new, uh, is that the time they were talking about like even like revolution, what, what does this mean, are we supposed to do this, are we not supposed to do this, um, there's a lot of, in the messages, right, in the sermons they gave, in their churches, they're talking about these things. And not until the 50s and 60s did we suddenly decide you can't talk about those things. It's very strange. Anyway, um, we were talking about Charlie Brown. And, and, and we'll get to that in, in just another second. But as we've illustrated time and again, the founders understood that a free society, a self-governed society, cannot exist without strong moral foundation and specifically a moral foundation on the Bible. And this point in our history in the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s, is really when that morality began to unravel. In 1966, the National Association of Secondary Schools Principles, okay, the Association of All the Principles in America, they did a poll that stated the development of, quote, moral and spiritual values was the second most important task. So that was 1966, moral and spiritual values. The development of moral and spiritual values was the second most important task in school, right? Not math, not science, not English, moral and spiritual values. By 1992, moral and spiritual value development was dead last. That should tell you something, and it should show you something, and it illustrates what we see, this moral decline. We, we have not taught our kids that morality, that spirituality are important, and we have let them find their own way, or worse, given them... Uh, what do I say, really weird options in morality and spirituality, and we're reaping the benefits of that, or sadly, we're reaping the the spoiled fruit of that. This present generation and, and a few before it have this belief that schools are not to be used to spread any form of spiritual value, especially Christian, but this is a recent development. It's not a value of the founders, and it's not a value that created and maintained America for 200 years. And in the 60s, which is not that long ago, even school administrators knew this. And in the 60s, even Hollywood knew this. I mean, you will not find a overtly Christian biblical worldview movie in Hollywood, period, full stop. Doesn't It's not coming out of Hollywood. I mean, you'll have like Passion of the Christ, but even movies like that, they, they couldn't be made in Hollywood. They had to be made out of people's personal bankrolls and things like that. But in the 60s, even Hollywood knew this. And we have this Charlie Brown Christmas in 1966 that won an award. It won an Emmy for Outstanding Children's Program. And as hard as it is to believe now, the central plot of this 
little cute animated story is the reciting of, wait for it, the Bible. Yes, the climax of the whole story is Linus reciting Luke 2, 18 through 14. I love that. I love that it happened. I love that it's still been a tradition for many of you. You've probably watched it every year. Again, I hope you watch it this year. And what I want you to watch for is this. You may have not seen this part. It may not have registered. Maybe it did. Hopefully it did. But when Linus comes to the line where the angel says, fear not, Linus drops his blanket on the ground. You all have heard of a security blanket, and Linus is the embodiment of security blanket, right? This blanket he carries around, and it's fairly disgusting, but he carries around in every other Peanuts episode, and it is the source of his comfort. He needs his blanket, his security blanket, right? But in this moment, reciting the Bible and hearing the angel say, fear not, what does he do? He drops his blanket on the ground. He is no longer relying on a security blanket. He is relying on God. He, Linus, this animated character, shows that the true security is not in stuff. It's not in the blanket. It's not in things. It is in faith in Jesus. And as you may remember, Linus concludes with, that is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And we should remember these secular boundaries that have been placed in our schools, in our work, in every aspect of our life. Even now, we are not allowed to meet in our own churches in California, in New York, and other areas of, of the country. They're closed. They're still closed, right? But these boundaries were not always there. Prayer, Christmas plays, Bible readings were allowed in school. They were allowed in court. They were allowed in politics. They were allowed in the public square. They were celebrated in the public square up until several decades ago. And here at Church Public, we want to see life like that again, not as a national religion, quite the opposite, as a free people who are allowed to express themselves, and especially if they believe in Jesus. And this starts with you. And as Charles Schultz said, and I mentioned at the beginning, quote, if we don't do it, who will? Merry Christmas to you all. Keep the faith. Who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown.
Thank you for listening to Church Public. Check us out at churchpublic.com on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Church Public. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe on iTunes. We would love to hear from you. God bless. Merry Christmas. And keep the faith.